You ever wonder why we're here? I don't know about you. I'm just here to fix my watch because time keeps jumping all over the place. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would say I'm having war flashbacks, but that was this entire episode. <laughs> Welcome to RVB Recall. everyone we are here we are doing this we are loving life and we are temporally adrift it seems in this current <laughs> who are you okay? and what have you done with katie <laughs> you just said we're okay it's 2020 okay is a standard to be achieved i think temporally adrift is the biggest 2020 mood i think <laughs> that wasn't what i was thinking of but uh you're both right. You're both right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be another weird energy episode tonight, everybody. But aren't they all? Aren't they all? We are looking at RVB Zero, RVB Season 18, whichever you prefer to call it. I believe the title is RVB Zero, but it is Season 18, Episode 4, Encounter. Which I feel like an episode title like that kind of needs that attempt at Gravitas. I don't think I got there, but I, I, I tried and therefore no one can criticize me. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this episode? Oh. Are introducing ourselves? Oh my god! <laughs> Hi, I'm the internet's Mark B. Donica. You, What's up? <laughs> hi, Mark! Hey, what's Thanks up? Thanks for joining us! Oh, hi, Mark! Oh, I'm happy to be here. You must be kidding, aren't you? <laughs> Jesus Christ on the roof! I'm waving at the camera and no one can see it. That's great. Megan, how about you? Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan Salinas. It's so nice to be here today. And I'm Katie Cullen, and I'm not entirely sure that I am here today. Well, no, like you said, we're temporally adrift. You skipped past the introduction to the meat of the episode. And we'll get back to the introductions later. <laughs> Guess what, everybody? This is all staying. <laughs> there yes, will be we're, no take we, two. we just flashed back to the introductions. And now we're going back to the present. Kind of. Maybe. We might be going back to the future. I'm not sure if we have 1.88 gigawatts yet. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this episode? First of all, let me say it for everybody else. You conflated the miles per hour and the, and the gigawatt. The gigawatt. How many did we need? It's 1.21. So that oh, after after the DeLorean could reach 88 miles per hour. Katie, you need to take a nap or something. Because, like, I know, like, we've all been through a day. For anybody who listens to all of our shows, we are less than 24 hours removed from the madness that was Ruby Redux for this week. Holy cow. And we're all, like, life is hitting us in a bunch of different waves and, and different ways. So we're having a, a hell of a time. About... Well, my excuse is, within those 24 hours, uh, one of our electrical sockets nearly caught on fire. So I was dealing with that late last night, and all of today. <laughs> so I'm here. Yeah, so Mark, what'd you think of the episode? I 
I think I would have liked the episode more if it had a streamlined timeline because we got left off with a bit of a cliffhanger and to not get the satisfaction of knowing exactly what happens right after that. And because now we lose time. Now there's like, well, okay, well, wait, what happened in between this? Okay, wait, what? So what's going on? We started with some confusion of, wait, is this before? Is this is this after what what are we dealing with what are we doing who's here where is this person where is that person what happened and i feel like they were going for a like uh starting with a new problem with like what happened to west because east mentions west like right off the top my dad and we already had like some we already had like lingering feelings from the previous episode to deal with. So that to me at least made it really, really like it gave it a confusing energy, but it was easy to get lost in the action, which I think was top notch in this episode. And it, and the action keeps getting better and better. I'm still on, I'm still here. I have thrown my knife and I am waiting to (laughs) teleport to the next bit because this was another great episode that also proved why zero is continues to be the big bad of this show. I would agree with that. And honestly, this was the first episode that straight up sold me as zero being the big bad. And we'll get to that eventually at some point time is a flat circle, etc. Megan, what did you think? I have to concur uh, with Mark about where this episode, um, uh, where there were some, there were some, I can, <laughs> See, it, it mixed, it's mixing us all up. We've lost Megan in the time scream. <laughs> the time I, scream. And I've shot myself in the foot because I yelled a couple minutes ago about how there will be no take two. I guess I'll just have to edit that out later and I'm going to take all of this out. You are not allowed. (laughs) We're keeping this. Anyway, um, I concur. I think the current, the structure of this episode with incorporating flashbacks in the way that they did, I do think hurt the episode more than it helped. Um, And I agree. I feel like if we had just seen the events in real time, it would have been more effective because that's the thing we've been saying about this entire season is that this will all flow together really well as a movie when all eight episodes are released. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, Watching this as a movie, having this flashback structure kind of randomly incorporated in episode four feels like we're hitting the brakes on that pacing. Um, But I think it works as an episode just fine. But again, if you are watching from beginning to end as a continuous experience, this is odd pacing. If um, I, I have no problem with normal flashback structures. I do an entire podcast about Lost. <laughs> so I'm no stranger to flashback talk. But, um, but yeah, that's the one thing I really didn't think works as well in this episode. But that being said, yeah, the fights are still really cool. And every, uh, the, 
the choreography of a couple of the fights in particular just makes my heart sing. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. This is the first time I really feel like Zero is the threat he builds himself up to be. I'm going to agree with both of you. I really think that the flashback structure for this one was kind of a hard thing to keep up on. And I know it did lose me for a second or two until Megan, who is a little more in sync and with Lost currently than I have been with Arrow since it ended, pointed out that, oh, hey, it's flashbacks. I'm like, wait, I should be used to this, but no one's in a beard wearing a hood. So I got super fucking lost. Arrow jokes. That was bad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're doing it live. Yeah, I, I was honestly a little lost by the pacing in this one. I do think that, I agree that the action was spot on. I thought the humor was also great. But I don't think that this is going to sync well with the overall movie that the season is shaping up to be. I think it was jarring to get it as an episode. And I think it will be jarring to get to this point in the movie as well. And at the moment, we are at the halfway point. Like, this is episode four out of eight. We are halfway there, which is kind of a wild thing to consider. And I feel like this is an odd thing to throw in halfway when we've had exactly one other flashback sequence. It was last episode, and it was extremely telegraphed. So, I don't know. I just, I thought the structure of this one was a little weird. I had some issues with the pacing, Not even in terms of which flashback goes where and how do we keep track of it, but in terms of emotional beats and dialogue. I thought the pacing was a little weird. But yeah, as always for this season, the action is just spot on. The camera work is fantastic. Like, this season knows what it is and it plays to its strengths. Like, they weren't kidding when they said this was Red vs. Blue does Fast and Furious because that's kind of what we're getting here. So... We are going to divvy this up into flashback and not flashback, because the not flashback is mostly our present Shatter Squad stuff, and then one really quick splash sideways to Viper, for reasons. So, we're going to stick with the flashback for now. And we come back in on our wonderful epic car chase, and we get what I think was some of my favorite choreography in this fight scene, with FaZe teleporting herself into Shatter Squad's car for a little bit of one-on-one and the revelation that she doesn't like fruit. Megan, do you have anything to say about the fact that she doesn't like fruit? (laughs) I... No, not in regards to that, but I do have quite a bit to say about this fight scene. Do it. I love close quarters combat scenes. Like... I really like this scene in particular was really reminiscent for me um, for the, with the opening of Deadpool where he's just um, fighting those guys. He hops into the car like from the bridge and just proceeds to fight people and like wrap his foot around seatbelts and things like that. This felt a lot like that. And I also feel like <sighs> I feel like I'm calling myself out right now for admitting this, but I haven't seen any of the John Wick movies. Uh, I hope. I don't have to revoke, like, a a critic card for admitting that, but you're fine, neither have I. I feel like this would have been, like, this sequence would have been right at home in a John Wick movie. Just, it's punching and kicking and knife play, and it's just, it's just awesome. (laughs) Mark, what do you think? 
this is where this type of this type of action for this show is where it excels and uh which is a nah i'm gonna wait till we get a little bit further but um the action in this scene in particular any i i think they're they're trying to show how far everybody can go powers wise like seeing phase first of all throwing the the knife like a boomerang in order to get a better position in the car like silly crazy wild action uh madness that uh we we can't we haven't gotten anywhere else and and i'm a big fan of it so i'm i'm excited for more phase because i think we're still just kind of seeing the tip of the iceberg with her I agree. I think she's got one of the more versatile and just visually visually appealing, something like that, power sets out of everyone that we have because it's tied to that knife. And as we all know, throwing knives is just inherently cool. <laughs> I I really did appreciate the beat between when the knife was thrown, it being caught. I mean, we get like one or two beats of like waiting for her to appear in the car and then we get it and she appears and then the fight happens. And it was just, I know we talked about how some of the pacing in this episode with the flashback structure didn't really work, but pacing like this action pacing is so, so good and it is hard to nail down correctly. So kudos to you. Well, part of, part of that nailing that is getting the anticipation correct and because they've set up phases power in a way where we know what to expect at least or at least for the basics we know what to expect if that knife moves she can go to it um an evolution of if it bleeds we can kill it but um <laughs> building up the anticipation of being able to watch the knife travel and see where it lands gives us as an audience the brief opportunity to have that oh my god it's about to have boom and we're in and we're right into the action and i think phase for that reason is at least as an audience member is much more entertaining to watch than any of the other members of viper squad because zero is definitely dangerous because of his hand-to-hand combat and his ability to seemingly teleport wherever he wants. But as a viewer, there's less of an opportunity to to actively anticipate the action like we can with FaZe. And this car chase scene was an amazing example of that. And there's just something artistic about the way FaZe's power works as well. I mean, again, Diesel is hella straightforward, and once you know Zero's gimmick, so is he. But there's just something versatile and beautiful about the way her power works. So, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that one. It is a lot more fun to watch. And I think the extra layer of anticipation we had here is that she was also trying to bury that knife in Raymond. (laughs) So we get this moment of, he's okay. Oh, shit. And then it happens. Like, so it's it's layers of anticipation. This, This particular bit, this entire fight in the car, but just this particular bit to start it off was incredibly well done. And then we move on to, we continue to fight in the car. We throw East out because we need a little bit more room. And, you know, Faze doesn't like to share. 
And we also wind up next to the Humvee and we start. This was one of my favorite beautiful parts of this because East winds up on top of the Humvee and one starts sh- and starts shooting at it and just hearing Diesel go face like they're <laughs> shooting at me. Help. <laughs> I, lo- I you could just hear that little bit of a whine in there and I just loved this and so we are in a car on car fight but we are also in a on top of car fight simultaneously because if you can choreograph insanity why wouldn't you no action movie is complete without uh, a fight scene on top of some sort of moving vehicle either a train or a car or I think that's it or a car train (laughs) or a train car or a plane it had the, like the vehicle has to be moving in some way i don't think i've ever seen one i can't no i guess i have seen one on a boat before and i have seen one on a plane air force one but yeah there's nothing quite like just standing on top of a moving vehicle and just kicking the crap out of each other <laughs> you say that like you've done it yourself yeah it ca- that sounded like it came from experience <laughs> All right, Mark, when was the last time you had fisticuffs on a moving vehicle? That's classified information. All right, well, what do you think about fisticuffs on a moving vehicle? In this oh, it's episode? fun. It's very Oh, in this episode. Oh, specifically in this episode. I have to I have to make sure that legally I establish that that's what we're talking about. Why would we be talking about anything else? Shifty eye, shifty eye, shifty eye. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to All right. Um... <laughs> The heavy implication here is that all three of us have done things separately, and we are three separate accounts that we are trying to keep locked down. Beautiful. The more we talk about it, the less people will suspect of it. But um, uh, always, always up for fights in unique places, especially when <laughs> Face's ability in that regard is now extra dependent on gravity, because as we saw she doesn't have to throw the knife for it for to in order to trans uh, uh teleport to it if somebody else has the knife or or throws the knife like off the truck she is still tied to it so it is a benefit as long as she keeps it in her possession but if somebody else has it then they can throw her off the scent real easy yeah and again that's that's part of what makes her power super fun is this knife aspect to it. It's part of what makes it fun. The knife. <laughs> Take that out of context and run with it. Anybody else think that eventually, like, she's going to throw the knife at someone, disappear, they're going to catch it and, like, throw it off a cliff? <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw that she doesn't teleport right away. Like, I thought that when they put it in the uh, the barricade on the turret, that she would, like, no, 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 and then, like, zap right over there immediately but she still seems to have some sort of control though she does have her limits as we saw near the end of the scene um in that regard i would just wait i would wait like listen over like the the wily coyote or the road runner runner and wait for the 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 distant and then then it's like oh but then you have to like climb like throw it up land it in the cliff try to steady yourself throw it again like yeah it's getting up is is the problem this is assuming you survive 
Well, no, she would just teleport down to it after it landed and be fine. Ah, legit, <laughs> legit. I was, I was legit thinking long, long fall, short stop. No, no, no. Wait for it to A fall, then Felix teleport maneuver. to it. <laughs> or you, if she throws the knife, you catch it, and she, she teleports, and you wait for her to disappear before you throw it off that cliff. <laughs> you got to time it just right. Oh, I'm not saying yeah. it'd be easy. I'm just saying it'd be funny. I'm down. <laughs> Look, I am always down for getting another Disney villain slash Felix death, where it's a long drop and a short stop. That just amuses me. Although knowing her, she'd probably catch it and then like embed the knife just like in the face of the cliff and just slide all the way down and then she'd be fine. <laughs> I love that we're talking about the, the logistics of yeeting Faze <laughs> off a cliff and seeing what happens. Um, I'd like to talk about the logistics of something else. What the fuck were those aliens that were fighting Axel? Like, what? Do we have any theories? What were they? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get an explanation at some point before the season's out, but this was another little tiny thing that kind of jumped out as like whoa where did like this felt like it came a little out of left field that being said i i mean they're messing with alien tech they're messing with like ancient alien artifacts maybe using one or multiple of these artifacts allows them to take control of some alien guardians that they've already vanquished maybe they're zeros Maybe Zero has a summoning semblance, likewise. <laughs> and he can summon his fallen foes. Not gonna lie, that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm guessing that they're just, they just happen to be alien entities tied to these artifacts. Outside of that, I don't really have a guess. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, that that that's what I was gonna go with as well. Um, I feel like these are a space a space age red versus blue version of the terracotta warriors where they are tied to this particular power. Like, I feel like what zero refers to as power, you know, he's probably perverting it for some means and it's ultimately something to like <laughs> zero, zero attack, but one will protect um, that, <laughs> that sort of a thing. But um I I, th I feel it's pretty straightforward. The fact that it wasn't attacking him and he was behind it implied that he had a comfortability with it and was using it as cover. So he, at the very least, at least if he wasn't in direct control of them, he was in control of the situation. Yeah, that this really took me by surprise, even more than the flashback structure did, because it doesn't feel like this was set up. This particular thing feels like it came right the hell out of nowhere. And so it was a very weird thing to just see that abruptly show up and then just as abruptly no longer be in the episode. I do kind of want to stat that sword out like a D&D &D weapon just to kind of figure out everything it's capable of. Because at this point, we are at weird energy bursts, moving autonomously of, of wielder, and summoning minions. So we got all sorts of fun shit going on here. It's also entirely possible that whatever this is, is tied to the first key, the first item that they managed to find. 
Because we've definitely seen a sword in action, but we haven't really seen what that first key is. Unless it was also a sword and we're stacking them together like this is Lego. Either way, this was kind of a weird little bit, and it's most of what we get from Axel in the flashback. We then move on, God bless. We have West. We have... I'm, I'm mixing up all of this in my head because it flashed back and forth so quickly. But I want to talk a little bit about West because this episode started with something happened to my dad. So we knew that he was going to be in trouble from the get-go. And we get this great epic heroes moment where he manages to stop the Vipers, Viper Squad's Humvee. He manages to just completely stop it in its tracks. And then does the whole cool guys don't look at explosions thing to lecture Raymond and gets seemingly judo chopped <laughs> by Zero? <laughs> that was the implication I saw because there was no weaponry. There was no, he just got whacked real good on the back of the neck. So West is down for the count for what seems to be the foreseeable future. Mark, what do you make of this development? Hmm. Like, I I wish that we came to that moment and and could feel it a little bit more because it it wasn't as much of a surprise when it happened because we knew that it was going to happen. So instead of like being fully committed to some of the action. The second that Wes showed up on screen, I was like, oh, well, how's he going to go down? Not necessarily what is he going to do and like, how did he do it? But it just sort of, they already, they, they already created the expectation of what the scene was going to happen. So no matter what he did, you knew that he was going to fail. And, and, and I think that does a disservice to West because he, he showed a, uh, a, a steadfast in com- a steadfast like mindset in command um but maybe a little bit too dedicated to like an old ideal and like this this has always worked so i'm going to do this so to put his guard down was definitely a bad idea but ultimately uh i liked what we saw from west and so <laughs> so far he seems uh he's one of the most like we've seen the most from him off the jump so it's easier to relate to him whereas we're still trying to figure out who everybody else is well not everybody else we're trying to figure out who a bunch of the other people are as people not just as soldiers so like i'm sad to see him down for the count but um i I wish that we all got to experience it together as a family Yeah, the the flashback bit kind of uh, undercut some of those daddy death flags, huh? Daddy death flags to you. All right, Megan, what do you think? Uh, I I agree. I I think if we had just gotten to see the the flashback, bleh, the flashback. One of these days, I'll learn to talk correctly. Um, Never. <laughs> <laughs> if we had gotten to see the flashback in more sequential order. I think it would have made what happened uh, to West uh, at, I feel like it would have flowed a little bit better because seeing it um, kind of edited in the way that it was in the sequence that it was um, like, it wasn't initially clear to me why zero was able to knock him out 
Um, because every both times I watched this episode, I definitely like said out loud, Judo chop. <laughs> <laughs> seeing um seeing zero show up behind him but watching it again and looking more carefully at the sequence uh you know he got laser blasted out of his car and i believe that damaged his armor which is why when he um decides that he's gonna have his big hero moment raymond initially cautions him against it and goes hey no wait your armor and I guess it wasn't working at like optimal capacity. So even though he gets his big damn hero moment, it's still like he he's still very vulnerable, which is why then Zero was able, you know, with his own armor enhancements and everything like that, able to take him out in one hit. And I feel like that whole, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like that whole sequence and those dramatic beats would have worked better if we were just watching this sequentially. That being said, the what's here is still good. Like we knew that as team dad, he was in trouble. Um, I still feel fear for Axel's life more than I fear for West's life. But you know, as a team dad, he was in danger and now we've gotten payoff for that foreshadowing. So even though I feel like this sequence could have been ironed out a little bit, all in all, again, I really appreciate the beats. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree. I think a lot of our issues with this episode just keep coming back to the flashback format. Because I agree that it undercuts the dramatic tension here. And that stripped of that, this moment was a fantastic, like, yell at the screen, holy shit, that was awesome moment very quickly followed by oh no oh no oh no did we just kill dad like that it's it's a very dramatic very effective one-two punch and we've seen it before in other series and other movies and hell even other seasons of this show so to have it undercut by we know he gets injured and we know he survives is just it it, it does a disservice to the scene itself it's a great scene it is a lot of fun to watch, and it's, I always like watching team dads be terribly competent. Like, that just makes me really happy. So having that, and like you said, Mark, knowing that he is doomed to fail anyway because the future said so, is a little rough sometimes. The upside of this is that it does lead us into... I don't want to say the best action scene because we had FaZe in a car shanking people. So <laughs> it would let us into a fantastic action scene with Zero versus Shatter Squad minus its two dads. So our trio. That little bit where he has one's gun and just flips it around and offers it to her with lose something. That is the point where I was finally sold on Zero being the villain and being, like, that. It's, it's a little hard to explain, but like you were saying last week, Mark, the whole, oh, I'm a ghost, oh, this, oh, that, felt a little bit too much like he was just being his own hype, tooting his own horn. This... Here he was like, I am the hype! <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A <laughs> little too much Vegeta. And this scene this one in particular not where he's beating up on a bunch of mooks who don't have a chance but this one is where he puts his money where his mouth is and that just smart ass little lose something bit was 
to me, that's what sold me on him being the villain and being every bit as competent and terrifying as he said he was. I also, we also get from him a summary of Shatter Squad, calling Raymond a pitiful field agent that doesn't belong, calling East the refuse of a botched experiment, and then referring to one as a failed attempt to recreate me. And the whole hello one, I'm zero bit is like, that is the most terrifying dad joke I've heard in a while. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, I was in for all of this from fighting the trio to the one liners to the fact that evidently the sword can do some Legend of Zelda link to the past madness (laughs) when it's fully charged and just shoot magic to the fact that the sword is also a key. So this this whole thing, this entire sequence, really, really sold me on Zero. And Mark, I want to know what you think, because I think you were sold on him a lot earlier than I was. So the the thing that makes Zero, or the thing that makes good villains, and, and the thing that makes us understand them better is seeing them and how they stack up to our heroes. Knowing how much of a bad man Zero was, I said it in the first episode, because we saw how they systematically dismantled Carolina and Wash. And then we spent two episodes of them away from, well, one episode, I guess, of them away from each other and them just sort of kind of doing badass things. But that doesn't necessarily inherently mean like we still don't see how they stack up. We see we see how they operate as a team, but for the sake of the story, it doesn't show us how they interact and how those forces clash with this. We got to see that it's as of right now, it is three to one for everybody. When it came to phase, it took the whole car to keep up with her. And in the same sense here, it took the three of them to barely stand up to zero and i i want to you know all of the actors i think that this episode so here's here's a veiled veiled criticism um all of the performances every single one all of the vocal performances in this show so far have all been phenomenal absolutely brilliant i, I like i feel the emotion of all of these characters but once we start getting into the mocap for them. And I think it was super evident in our uh, present scenes. And we'll, and we'll talk about that after we talk about iTunes, but the, in all of the action scenes, all of the banter, all of the crosstalk, all of the like digs at each other, they hit so flipping hard and it made you really want to care and see how our heroes follow up to that. And dialogue wise, performance wise, amazing. All of the animation for the not fight scenes was so distracting but this scene in this ep- in at least for this episode this particular part this particular fight with Christian at the helm and everybody else and, and everybody else on uh, Shatter Squad was like top like top so far favorite scene of the episode but one of i think the best scenes in general of this show and because of what 
the actors bring, what the writers brought, what the animators brought, and how it all came together, this scene should be something that they show as a trailer. And I know that they released a mid-season trailer, I don't, and, but I haven't watched it. But this, it should be this scene with, hey, watch this every Monday. I think the mid-season trailer might have showed a little of this scene. Like, I watched it, and then my entire brain shut down last night, so uh, I didn't retain much. But it's stuff that we've already seen, and the mid-season trailer does look pretty damn snazzy. I really loved this sequence. I, I wholeheartedly agree, Mark. This is one of my favorite, I think, just red versus blue moments in general. And I know we were talking earlier this season about how... Zero saying things like, I'm a ghost, uh, how it, it doesn't work when he says it. This is the exact opposite of that. This is show, don't tell. And even though he's got a total mouth on him in this scene, he's actually acting upon it and like acting in a way to back it up. And just like with the first episode this season, it's the systematic takedown of these characters that should in theory you know be the best of the best and he's just systematically taking them down because he has prepared for this exact moment it's one of the reasons why he can gloat it's because he's a theater kid who's done all the rehearsal necessary <laughs> for this long monologue <laughs> um so i i really appreciated this and one thing too um it can be difficult to choreograph group fights too, because it, you know, it, it can often look like, why are they attacking this person one at a time? Why don't they all do it at the same time? And I feel like with this particular sequence, they did a really good job of making it so that like all of them are attacking at once. Um, and he's just taking them all down it, it in a again in a very narratively satisfying and visually satisfying way. Yeah, I think this was incredibly well put together, and we didn't have our protagonist suffering from uh, stormtrooper syndrome or war past the flu. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. Well, Worf's in a hospital bed at the moment, so uh, yeah. On that on that note, uh, does anyone have any further thoughts on our extended exciting flashback sequence? Megan? I really like the laser sword. <laughs> I, I want can I have it? I really want it. It won't fit in the apartment. Can y'all remind me uh I have to wait till the very end in order to, to blow your minds with a cool <laughs> idea that I had? If but I just remember. in case I just in case I forget it, I wrote it down too. But yeah, that's building up some anticipation for the, like stay till the end. <laughs> I can't wait. I worry about people who listen to the first forty minutes of this podcast and then don't stay till the we, end. To be to like, be fair, hi guys, we love you. <laughs> to be fair, we had them listen to two and a half hours of us losing our minds about Ruby. So to give them another hour and change so short with so short of a turnaround is like <laughs> uh we're worth the wait <laughs> <laughs> well yes if you if you have stuck around thus far one thank you two we love you and three we're gonna talk to you about itunes for a minute and we just lost the rest of them no hi we still love you if you are 
enjoying this complete madness that we bring to you currently twice a week, the best thing you can do to help us out is head over to iTunes. You can find Rooster Team Radio. You can find the Rooster Team. Both of those are searchable terms where you can find us and you can leave us ratings and you can leave comments and reviews and all those wonderful things on your podcasting app of choice. We just tend to use iTunes for shorthand because we are well-trained. Yes. Do we have any new reviews? We do not. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of starting to think that most people have already left it. <laughs> well, at the same time, we are getting new listeners uh, thanks to thanks to the support from Mr. Eddie Rivas, one of the, the writers over at RT Animation, who uh, it, it tends to enjoy our show. So we thank him, and, and he's sending a lot of people our way. And so if this is your first episode, we really appreciate you. We'd also really appreciate an iTunes review. Yes, absolutely. It helps other people find us. It makes us a little more searchable. You know, it's it's one of those manipulating the algorithm, but for good reasons things. Also, if you are in an iTunes store that is not the American iTunes store, we have a little bit of trouble seeing those because iTunes is super hilariously weird that way. So if you did leave a review in iTunes and it's not the US iTunes, please, please, please take a screen cap of it and tweet it to us at the Rooster Team because that's our Twitter. That's where we live. You can find us there. All those wonderful things. And we really do want to see your reviews because as I've said before, and we'll say again, we love you guys. In fact, we love you guys so much, we made a contest, and y'all participated in it, and we are going to announce the winner. Or we would if Twitter hadn't just refreshed on me. I've got uh, everybody plus. here. I've got everything up. Perfect. Take it, Mark. So uh, we had a couple of entries into our, into our contest. For those of you who missed out, sorry. But uh, the contest <laughs> that we held was we asked what our squad name and our individual names would be in this red versus blue zero verse. And um, we got, I want to go through some of our entries that we had here from young bro. Hello, young bro. Three, two, three. We got a, a squad entry of rooster squad where uh, breaking down name by name, Stacy's code name was going to be K nine for her love of good, good boys. Katie's code name was Malware as the resident IT person and uh, regular agent of chaos. It seemed fitting. Uh, Megan, code name Shriek, synonymous uh, synonym for Scream, related to her horror movie fanaticism, and uh, my code name being Soapbox, which just calls back to a handle that I haven't used in four years, which I appreciate the reference, but everybody else had a really cool reason. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's, so that implies that I stand on something and talk a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, thinking, two and a uh, half hours of Ruby. It wasn't just me. Divide it by four. Isn't podcasting the modern version of soapboxing, though? Oh, 100%. Yes. <laughs> so here um, we are. We also got an entrance, an entrant from Pink Bile. Uh, thank you, Cam. Uh, our squad name being The Ship Squad. With our nicknames being as follows: the Shuttle for Stacy Shuttles couldn't resist, had to give Stacy this alias as a pun on her own name. Crack for uh, Megan. The ship doesn't really have a crack or a hole in it. Megan just really wants to see Neo and Mercury get together for some reason. Um, mine was Cannon. Uh, I shoot down all the ships except for those that are Cannon. 
and uh, Katie's being anchor, a pun on the podcast service name and suiting uh, Katie since you lead RVB Recall and are the anchor of the show. And I like that too. And I would say if if I had a name for um, Phase's, if, if Phase's ability was a semblance, I would call it anchor and her knife is the anchor. Yeah. Yeah. She's attached to that anchor anywhere she goes. So thank you uh, to everybody. But we're going to announce our winner as Argot95, Asimov95, uh, Ryan, many names. Uh, thank you so much for submitting. We are officially announcing you as the winner. Uh, and for those who didn't hear uh, his, his submission last week, uh, our name is Myth Squad, which relates to our love of storytelling. Stacy's nickname is Fates, or Fate or Fates, uh, for the three fate threads that relates to Stacy's cosplays, so uh, like sewing for her cosplays. Uh, Katie's being Hell, the Norse god of death, or short for Helen of Troy. <laughs> Megan's nickname being Troy, because uh, you and Katie uh, having launched a thousand ships. And uh, my nickname being Io, because I'm, I'm the internet boy. And uh, according to him, gender swaps are fun, um, which of course goes to uh, the god Io. But also, I think there is a there's a Tron reference in there too, which I really appreciate. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you, everybody who submitted. We love doing contests because we love to hear from you. And uh, this is this was really cool. I really appreciated everybody everybody's submissions. So, Ryan, to claim your prize, I'm going to have you get on the Twitters and DM me at Kiaxe, K-I-A-X-E-T, and we will work things out because uh, we are going to send you some of Fred's cookies, fresh from Fred He Bakes. And for those of you who are not aware or who were here for the first time, hello, you lovely humans. We are sponsored by Fred He Bakes. He does some of the best cookies you have ever had. He does, his flagship cookie is the brown sugar buddy. It's like a cross between a molasses cookie and a spice cookie and a ginger snap. It is chewy. It is soft. It is absolutely fantastic and super, super good. Dipped into your hot fall drink of choice. Highly recommend. Breakfast of champions. If you like even more fall flavor in your cookies, he also does maple brown sugar buddies, which highly recommend dipping those into your hot spiced apple cider because that extra maple flavor just really does it. And if you are not much of a spice cookie person, if you prefer some good old-fashioned chocolate, you want to look at the Big Chip Buddies. They are huge. They are soft. They are packed full of chocolate chips. They are your gigantic chocolate chip cookie friends, and they are slightly more difficult to dip into your hot drinks unless you have a really big mug. But it's 2020, so I think at this point all of us have really big mugs that we just use on the regular. So, if you're like me, and if you want a little bit of everything, he also does sampler boxes, so you can get a little bit of everything, and try a little bit of everything, and then choose what you want and order more of that. So, to obtain all of these wonderful cookies, all of these cookies that are made fresh to order, they are never frozen, and you cannot find them in stores, what you do is you head over to fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. And use coupon code the Rooster Team for 20% off your entire order. That is FredHeBakes.com, coupon code the Rooster Team. Treat yourself, you guys. You deserve it. You do. 2020 has been wild. And thanks again to everyone who participated in our hilariously off-the-cuff contest. <laughs> and again, 
our lovely winter human, Asimov, please contact me and we will get things sorted for you. Now, back to our episode. Back to, before I get back to Shatter Squad, I want to talk about the one non-combat scene that Viper Squad has in here. Because we get a little bit of a flash sideways for them, which I believe is also a lost thing. Megan? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> at least I think that's where the term flash sideways came from, or was at least popularized. Flash sideways is a, uh, it's a last season of Lost thing. Not quite what's happening here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our bit with Viper Squad is uh, Faze being real mad that Zero hecked up West, accusing West of killing him, and West going, no, but if you want to claim him, you best not miss. So it seems that West chance, West's next chance is going to be his last if Faze is on the field. And Zero's other... What? <laughs> what did I fuck up? It's not, that you, it's not that you messed up. It's just the stutter made it sound like you you called West West Chan. <laughs> West Chan's a cigar. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> West Senpai, notice me. <laughs> no, I got it. There goes my entire brain. Thank you, Mark. I was working on it, and then it just... <laughs> anyway. The thing, the other part of this scene that I do want to talk about is we get back to that Echo comment with Zero saying the Echo is weakening and you should retrieve it soon. And thus we continue with my weird ass theories about, yeah, I'm pretty sure East is the Echo. Just, just saying, guys. So we, we have one whole non-combat scene with Viper. What did we make of it? Megan. Uh, for a moment, I was wondering what, what, like, why she was upset about, uh, Zero having dispatched West, and it's like, oh, it's because she wants to say, <laughs> she wants the honor of killing him herself. He violated the International Dibs Protocol. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a nice callback. <laughs> I understood that reference. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... I think this is like the one time that uh, so far where we've seen the members of our deadly Viper assassination squad not be in sync with one another. They did have that little spat in the previous episode or, or the episode where Wash was rescued, um, but that wasn't really a spat. That was just kind of, you know. Faze getting angry about dad and here it's the it's you know it's kind of for the same reason but like this is the for a team that's so in sync and works so well together it was very interesting to have this moment of confrontation where it's like okay maybe they're not as tightly bound together as we initially thought I guess it kind of just goes to show that just because you you work well with somebody doesn't necessarily mean that y'all are friends. So it makes me wonder about how loyal FaZe will be to Zero's cause once she's gotten what she wants or if she figures out that she can't get what she wants, which uh, appears to be revenge. I don't know. That was my take. I had not thought about wavering loyalty, and I rather like that approach. Mark, what do you think? 
if if we're going off of this being a t- a red versus blue take on Fast and the Furious, I think th- there are not for the most part, but I'd say a good ratio of people who are a bad guy in one movie no matter how bad things they did end up joining the family by either the next movie or another one down yeah, so you could kill han and then like hang out at a barbecue with everyone dude somehow. right <laughs> okay he's back or whatever um but it's um fine. with that fine. with taking that into consideration i was wondering if maybe whatever is happening to phase is zero's fault and because Ooh. zero cares for phase he wants to get it done as fast as possible and whoever is gatekeeping making sure that phase can survive or be around is west west is the key or has the key or has so- like west has something that can make sure that phase will be okay ultimately whether that's access to certain files or certain programs back at base or or whatever maybe the search for power before west got involved again and and all of his and all of uh, shatter squad and the team maybe before that happened this quest for power is a way for zero to stable zero in phase to sort of stabilize whatever is happening to them physically because once you have ultimate power you can't succumb to any possible physical maladies or whatever it might be. And so I feel like some, because we had that theory of phase and East being connected in some way, shape or form and their abilities technically are almost the same thing. You can consider teleport the fastest of super speed because it's like an instant transmission from hand to knife. Um, whereas with East, it's a, a physical, you can see her running really fast or moving really fast. So I think they're, they're intrinsically tied together in more ways than one. But I wonder if the thing that I, I think the, the whole being experimented on is what eventually led to Viper squad breaking off because zero found something that could guarantee phase's safety and and that's why they went off and phase having such a negative reaction to it is that she like as we hear she wants to handle it herself but uh she might be having problems with west being her dad and and she may be still conflicted who knows but i i feel like this is this is bigger than just i want to kill him like I, like thinking of the wider scope of someday maybe this team is going to be working together to stop the end of the world that Viper Squad will probably bring about. Uh, I, I figure that they're because not all villains are mustache twirling. Sometimes you might understand why people do certain things, but while not agreeing with them. And I think that might be something that we have here. I kind of regret not having popcorn 
right now because my God, I just needed something to snack on while you opened up this whole new theory with whole new bits of lore and brought us along for the ride. Damn, well, dude, th- Mark. well, thinking about thinking about Fast and the Furious, thinking about how the rock and Jason Statham were like supposed to be. And yeah, I'm, I'm using not using their character names because <laughs> oh, Hobbs and Shaw, they had a movie. Well, think about that is they were, they were, they were the big bads of the fast and the furious franchise for one or two movies. And then the rock was way too charming to be a bad guy because he's the goddamn rock. And now the series has spun off to where they have their own movie as heroes and the fast and the furious franchise rolls on so think like you have to if if they're taking influence from a certain thing you have to think about all sorts all, all aspects of that influence and i th- i think that we're gonna end up seeing something like that well even just looking at um you know the episodes we've gotten so far mark you're really on to something because that that's uh initial flashback sequence with axe and zero um, where he starts talking about, you know, could you do what they done? What West did to his daughter? Like he's coming from a very emotional place when he's saying that. So yeah, what if his betrayal was all about trying to save Faze from these failed experiments? Um, I I I really like that. I really, I think you're onto something there for sure. Yo, what's up? I just really appreciate that you guys seem to have fully gotten on board with my phases West's daughter theory. <laughs> I just I thought that was pretty I, clear. Yeah, yeah, he said he is not my father. That's just, that's I, clear angsty teen uh language that means he's totally my dad. Yeah, yeah, no, I just I really appreciate that yeah. Um, as someone who has seen one whole Fast and the Furious movie, and that was the first one before they had established this trope book that they were working with. Uh, yeah, no, I am here for this. I am here for taking more details from the source material than just the broad strokes and then picking them, picking them up and sprinting with them. Like, uh, someone please write this theory down. I'm here for it. And I'm here for the crazy sequels and franchise that it will eventually spawn as well. That will at some point have a spinoff movie with Zero and West having to team up to do something. Crimes. Crimes. It's crimes. Katie, it's already written down. It's called the script. Thank you. Bless you. Nailed it. (laughs) Okay. So let's, 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 Flash back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. gravity. (laughs) I cannot take that. Thank Dan Avedan for my uh, complete inability to take that song seriously ever anymore. Thank Dan Avedan for anything. He's just a, he's a gift. Thank you, Dan Avedan, for everything, but also for the continual deadpan mom spaghetti jokes. So back in the present, we have a somewhat disjointed argument back and forth and back and forth because honestly, I kind of think this argument was scripted to uphold the bits of flashback that we were seeing. And it's in this argument that we learn that West is injured, but he will pull through and that the rest of Shatter Squad figures out that 
Axel knew Zero at one point or another, and he peeled off to go after Zero because he had orders, and that's really all he has to say about that. We also get the we're off the mission until West recovers. Like, we're we're two steps away from give me your gun and your badge here. So before we move on to the rest of what we have in the present, the slightly more we're staying in the present, no more flashback scenes, what did we think about this argument? Mark, I know you had uh, things to say about the staging and the animation here, so why don't you start us off? Well, I mean... It goes back to what I said in the sense of the content here was all top-notch. The The script was good. The performances were good. But once, like, something that I do, huh, I guess something that I did before the, the world turned upside down, now it's stuck in your head. But before, uh, in the before time, when I would watch theater, I would always listen first and try to hear the character before opening like opening my eyes because like there's something about tones and shifts and and if people sound confident if people sound like they are this character they're this person then it's a lot easier to believe them when you open your eyes so i i don't necessarily do that with television because it's harder but i might have to with red versus blue moving forward because some of the placement of like the fingers it this didn't feel like one session to me like this to make another reference this we could see how the sausage was getting made and and i could t- and like i saw that it was mocap not that it was these people if that makes sense and and that's a sh- that's a shame i i really am enjoying these characters i'm enjoying this ride and all of this action but like the overt the overt gesturing just makes it feel like a cartoon as opposed and, and and not you know yes it's an animated show but you know what i mean it makes it feel a lot more cartoony and and not realistic and and i fall out every time it's it's really unfortunate but the the actual the meat of the scene was great i feel you on the animation bit and i think some of the disjoint might be again for one we are making this in the year of our lord coronavirus and everyone is in lockdown I think what we're looking at here is we have a vocal take on the line and we have an action take on the line. And oh, 100%. Two, yeah, yeah that's exactly what's happening. completely separate people. So the, the one that threw me here was the, well, excuse me, princess bit where they did the <laughs> yeah. full on bow, but also <laughs> extremely quickly. Like that, that is the sort of thing to me where it's like, you stop and you emphasize that shit. So the fact that it was there and gone, I I agree with you. It makes it feel a little cartoony. There's a point where Axel says something and has this massive hand gesture that just came across as really dramatic. Like, this is not the first time that the motions have not necessarily matched the take on the words. But I think this episode had some of the more egregious examples. And I think knowing what we know about how this particular series was made and the limitations that we were all working with with the coronavirus, and also the fact that there is no machinima in this particular season. And and that's and I why think I think this is a little bit. N- just like characters walking up and down hallways. No, and, and that that's something that I wanted to talk about later too. But also like that's why Katie and and to everybody listening, we keep reiterating the content 
is phenomenal. The script is good. This is a great team. We understand the limitations and it's, we're not, we're not upset with the team. We're upset with the, with the limitations and with people not taking what's going on in the world seriously to a point where this is what it had to be. Yeah. 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 So this, and there's also just stepping back a little bit and talking theory and fandom and fun stuff in general. It is very, very much possible to critique something and still very much enjoy it. Nothing is perfect. And if you are holding out for the perfect piece of media, you will not ever consume any media whatsoever because nothing is perfect. And so we can stand here and say, yeah, we saw these issues with the animation. Yeah, this pulled me out of the moment. Yeah, this. But we can also say, holy shit, that fight scene. The banter was perfect. There's, there's an upcoming joke with Tiny that laid me the fuck out and I loved it. So we can stand here and say, yes, we take the bad with the good. And here's something that didn't work out. And here's something that really, really did. And it's possible to do that and to criticize something and critique something and still enjoy it and understand why these flaws are there. So just generally speaking, this is not us going, this was terrible. This is us going, you know, here's what worked, here's what didn't, and we'll be interested to see what happens going forward. I'm a little sad that we have to make that disclaimer, but I think that's more the state of fandom and uh, media consumption nowadays. So yeah, that's that is where we live our lives. Uh Megan? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not to sound like a broken record, but I I wholeheartedly agree. Um the theatrical gestures. I think the the one of the main reasons why they it's created this disconnect is because we have motion capture actors create, you know, creating these movements, but no humans move this way. And I, I know that it, it's so weird when you look at how well the action sequences work and how the mocap for the action sequences work. The reason why they work is that they feel, even though there are fantastical powers at play, a lot of like the hand-to-hand stuff and the movements and everything like that feels very natural and grounded in reality. When all these characters are just in a room yelling at each other, and doing these um, very theatrical hand gestures and everything like that, being this close up to them, it's like, oh yeah, no, no humans move that way. That's not how people in an argument would move around each other. That's how, as Mark alluded to, that's how actors playing to the back row would portray these roles. But um, anyway, th- again, I, I don't want to necessarily sound like a broken record. I do wholeheartedly love sequences of you're off the case. <laughs> turn turn in your badge, you're suspended. Like, I know you said we weren't quite there, but we were kind of there. And I, I want to lean into it for sure. Yeah, and, and seeing one's reaction, she got so hot-headed that I thought she was going to turn into a car. when the Turbo Teen reference was going to happen. I kind of thought it was going to be during the car sequence. We made it a whole hour. I had hoped. I literally just remembered. (laughs) I 
this is the point where I step back and I thank Cam in our Discord for making me that nice little no, it is not Turbo Teen meme because um yeah yeah I yeah I yeah you know and also what? also just for future reference we don't have to dwell on it like we could just accept it and move on and just be like yep that's Turbo Teen ding moving on I don't think I can. I don't think oh. I can ever accept this. That's so unfortunate. Turbo Teen was, was one of Starlight Industries' failed experiments. <laughs> Dude. That is the canon. They turned Lo- they turned Lopez into a car. <laughs> I have to wonder if that's a step up. Speaking- Soy un coche. Por qué? <laughs> Speaking of cars and the people that work on them, um, I just have to bring up this tiny little scene with Tiny. Because I think it gives us a little bit of a plot hook in the why are we working on these armor enhancements if we're off the case? Well, you never know. But it also gives us the fact that Tiny does not understand jokes. And this brings me life. This this is one of those character traits where, well executed, I enjoy it so, so much. And we just have this bit where Raymond sets up a joke and it's obvious from the get-go that she does not get what he's talking about and then delivers it and her just whole, I love jokes. I hope one day I'll understand them. Just bless her. Bless Tiny. Can we have more Tiny? Can we have a mini-series with Tiny Tiny just pimping people's rights? That's good. That's good. Mini-series. Tiny. I like it. (laughs) Hey, that was unintentional. That was pun intentional and I will take it. How dare you. I regret nothing. Do you people know me? <laughs> Megan, what do you think? Aside from innate disapproval. I have a question. Yes. Do we record a RVB recall in the Rooster Teeth house, in, in the mansion? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Don't no, do that, Megan, Jesus please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry about Turbo Teen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have either a garage or, like, two bases in a box canyon all right we don't record in the house not for this one (laughs) we have a zen garden in the backyard that looks like blood gulch okay so take it so we're not allowed in the house when we record this show duly noted but that being said if we were in the house, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to come up with a convoluted excuse to go up the stairs and go to the love loft because these guys were kind of cute together. Uh, this is red versus blue. All you just say is, dude, I'm in. I ship it. <laughs> and everyone gets it. Everyone has color coded ships here. It's fine. <laughs> okay, then I ship it. I think it's cute. Mark, what do you think? I like how the the new guy is becoming the anchor because he gets brought, Raymond gets brought into this situation as, Oh, he's the new guy. Will he fit in? And and we see that he's kind of aloof with the whole like phone charging gimmick, but he's, he's been a linchpin in the success of a lot of the different excursions for shatter squad. And while everybody is thrown off the case. His his eye is still on the prize. And he and regardless of if they get put back on, he sees that people are are uh, doing stuff that puts them in dangerous situations. So whether it's this case or the next or this case, this mission or the next <laughs> mission, whatever missions they have in the future, he wants to make sure that he can be an asset and help. 
and and I, I'm excited to see what the upgrades for everybody's uh, everybody's abilities are, even as we're still trying to understand them. But I like how, uh, but I also liked in this scene the technical smarts uh, going up against the street smarts sort of a thing of like of Raymond and Tiny. This is a very fun interaction. But m- mostly, what I took away is how much Raymond cares for the team. I'm going to take that and spin that into a nice little segue because we then follow Carolina and one and after a nice little run in at the shooting gallery in which Carolina still has not learned to surprise, <laughs> not to surprise people with live ammunition. And, and actually, sorry, but bef- b- before you make the transition, this was, this was where uh, Megan, you had mentioned, Oh, they did a little bit of, of machinima. So in the scene in the, in the shooting range, they i i felt that they mimicked the machinima the head bobs and the guns really well i i i like that was something that came up in the fandom and in our discord of like oh they're trying to do the head bobs thing even though they're not doing machinima but so i was like okay that but it'll be nice to just to see the see a couple of red versus blue characters walk around just sort of gunned down like we used to in all of the previous seasons but then what pulled me out of it (laughs) was the lead up to the scene with Tiny and Raymond where we see Carolina and one just kind of we're talking because our arms are moving and our heads are kind of moving too as opposed to just like yeah they can walk you know it may it brought a lot more attention to it than was supposed to because then when we go back to the hallway scene they're mimicking the head bobs and the gun in the hand like the classic dialogue style again so I'm really surprised and I'm, that they didn't just stay consistent from one to the next to the next yeah it's a good point and i honestly i would love to see more of just that moving forward and of course it's too late to kind of talk about that this season because this season is done and dusted and rendered and ready to go and we all know that animation takes a long time y'all and if you didn't know that animation takes a long time animation takes a long time So by the time you're seeing episode one, episode eight is usually finished. But should we have another season like this? Should we have another season of RVB Zero, and I don't know what we would call it, season 19? I would like to see them stick a little more to just the classic dialogue style, because I think that's something that we're accustomed to. And like classic RVB, you couldn't do a lot of crazy shit. So your emphasis was on your characters, your dialogue, your ridiculous jokes. And then maybe every once in a while, after about 30 tries, you manage to successfully flip a warthog on top of a base and land it right side up. Like, that's the sort of thing where you couldn't have the crazy stunts. So you had to focus on the dialogue. And I, I appreciate them going back to that style here. And I'd love to see them do it more. Megan? See, I'm really glad that you brought up that Discord conversation, Mark, because just watching this episode, I totally thought it was Machinima. <laughs> like, they they actively convinced me. I was like, oh, that's cool. They've gone back to Machinima for a sequence or two. Nope, they did not. <laughs> they fooled me. They pulled a fast one on me. Um, that being said, I really liked this interaction between Carolina and one. I... I said, you know, when when they had their fight, uh, I really like that Carolina sees a lot of herself in both East 
and one. Um, and you know, she she can look at them and reflect on like, oh, they're kind of struggling with a lot of the same challenges that I had, you know, in terms of like being really competitive, needing to be the best to prove yourself, um, having some difficulty working with others when you're blinded by that ambition. And uh, in the case of East, having severe daddy issues, <laughs> for sure. Um, so I really liked this moment where they got to just have this one-on-one chat. Um, and it, of course, it's always nice to hear Carolina talk about her relationship with Wash, which if you'll follow me into the house, we can discuss greater <laughs> greater length. <laughs> just say you ship car wash and call it good. I do. I <laughs> I think I've made that very clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have. We have. We have. Valid. Um, yeah, this was where my segue was going. The whole idea of Raymond wanting to help and Carolina defining Wash that way, saying that he was unable to retire. And of course, Katie wants to talk about Wash. Let's be serious. Let's be real. <laughs> Let's just be real. Let's just be real. It's what I'm here for. Uh, saying that Wash could not retire and it wasn't the first time he had a computer in his brain and just kind of a little bit of like Carolina seems to have lost her filter here. But it does get to a point in that he could not retire he wanted to help people for as long as he was able and so that brings it back around to adjacent to a perennial rvb favorite and the perennial one that all of us are just ingrained is you ever wonder why we're here and we turn it around slightly and we have the question of why are you here making you question your motivation, talking to one, what are you doing? Why are you here? What do you want to accomplish? Um, I really appreciated that they went there with this scene. I appreciated that we had this walk and talk, both stylistically and for character building reasons. The only issue I had with it is this is where we ran into what I see as a little bit of pacing problems because Usually in Red versus Blue, where you have a moment like this, where you have a moment where a character needs to kind of step back and figure themselves out, they let that moment breathe. You get a second or two of just a slow push in or a slow pull out of just looking at that character where the audience gets to sit here and go, oh yeah, the gears are turning and they're doing a little self-searching trying to figure out the answer to that question. Whereas here, we had that question, and then it immediately went to East yelling about things and, oh, what's her problem? Like, I feel like here we did not give it the moment to breathe that it really needed for a moment like that to be pulled off. And that's that's me. That is my interpretation. Well, I, I agree with that, too, because, like, we rushed so much into the reveal at the end that that scene really didn't breathe and I didn't really take anything away from it because I was too busy thinking about what the cliffhanger was. That's true. That's, I feel like maybe that is a casualty of this entire season going at a breakneck pace by design. But I feel like sometimes you do just need those moments of, all right, take a moment, breathe, think about your life, think about your choices, and we will swing back into the action and intrigue and plot in a moment. So that's Mark. Did did you want to say anything else about the content of the walk and talk? But I, I'm being completely honest. I f- I forgot. Like, <laughs> not like, but really, because of because of what they 
they finished with, I was like, oh yeah, they had the conversation and Carolina's trying to get something, but I'm too busy thinking about the other thing to really worry about what they were just talking about. So like, that's really all that I pulled from it. Legit. I remembered it because it was about wash. Oh yeah. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) We play favorites here and I have no regrets. Anyway, we might as well talk about the thing. Well, did you want to ask Megan what she thought of it? She she started off with what she thought of it. Okay. Didn't you? Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. See, that shows you where I'm at, too. I appreciate you looking out for Megan, though. It's a good thing. We, uh, we look out for each other here on Myth Squad. At least, I think I talked about it. I don't know. I'm feeling adrift in time again. Oh, goddammit. Get your ass back here. We don't have enough gigawatts for this. <laughs> Anyway, we end this episode, God bless it, with one talking about how Zero had a sword and maybe it was also a key and he needs another one and it was this big glowy thing and Carolina putting two and two together and coming up with God damn it. (laughs) We have to go save Lavernius Tucker. And I just had this moment of, all right, I did not think we would be bringing more Blood Gulch people back into the show, but uh, Human Leghound Lavernius Tucker is evidently our next designated cameo. And my other question here is, why not Locus? We know he's got a sword, too. He's not as uh, overt about the entire Dark Paladin quest, but we know he's got it, so... Definitely some questions going into the next episode. Um, Who wants to go first? I forgot whose turn it is. (laughs) Mark, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I think for a variety of reasons, uh, I think the easy way out of not going with Locus will be to show it in a flashback. Like maybe, maybe the flashback will be their first mission of finding the first, let's just call it a relic. Um, will be them taking down Locust, and that was the fr- and that was the very first thing that sent them on this journey. And seeing the stuff, like like hearing that name, that's a name that I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> and like, I I'm a little surprised. I, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes because ultimately they're sticking with like a piece of canon that had that they've been jumping in and around to the entire series so maybe this will be their way to put it to bed and like a way to like tie up some loose ends from all the all of the previous 17 seasons (laughs) um but something that uh thank you for reminding me i'll give you credit um what if all of it's a it's a collection of swords so it's like super weeby it's just like i've got all of the coolest anime swords in my collection but what if they all form a giant buster sword like cloud and we get dude one of the best anime fight scenes ever was is in um final fantasy 7 advent children of cloud going full super saiyan and like utilizing all of the part all of the different swords that make of the buster sword and then combining them and both like yeah really awesome stuff and i know that torian and noel are about those 
get hype moments. And I can see that as an inspiration, not to say that, oh, this is what's going to happen, but thinking like, oh, wait, there's a sword. Oh, Tucker has a sword. Oh, oh, they're all swords. And what if they're all different types of sword that form this huge, or maybe even like a giant Sephirothian type of long sword, like some sort, <laughs> some sort of just like silly anime hype machine. Uh, but like, I, I, that's, that's, that sort of a get hype moment, I think is what we're going to get to of like ultimate weapon, ultimate power, keyblade, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> I was legit thinking of like not the keyblade, but the key blade, and the fact that there's a difference. Early in the episode, when you were talking about it being a key, I was going to say, "How do you spell that?" C H I in yeah. this case. Well, it's the Greek. And See, when you stick it in people, it unlocks their death. That's the thing. So, so that's that's where I think it's going to go. <laughs> Mark, you've got me thinking about um, like uh, that moment in like Kingdom Hearts three. Where there's just like this wave of a bunch of different keyblades. I'm just kind of picturing mm, that, but like with a bunch of laser swords. Yeah, dude, Ghost Ride the Whip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy, Kingdom Hearts 3 was a fucking trip. Yeah, and you can listen to what I thought about it on podcast podcast <laughs> diners and dives. I don't remember what our show was called. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I was definitely thinking big uh, Keyblade moments as you were talking about it. Uh, Megan? I think that the reason why they're not going after Locus is because Locus is probably in jail. <laughs> he's or dead. He's probably in space jail. Um, that and, like, uh, I mean... Tucker's already had his hero's journey, and I I feel like out of the two of them, assuming uh, Locus just isn't in jail, that he's still on his dark paladin quest or whatever, uh, Locus is going to keep a low profile about what he's doing and who he's helping and what he's after, whereas Lavernius Tucker is the type of person to beat a bad guy and then throw up his hands in the air and go, yeah, I'm Lavernius Tucker, and I definitely killed you with my awesome magic key. I'm the best. <laughs> and also do a dance. <laughs> yeah. I just, So you're going to get a reputation that way. Yeah. Well, and we've already got that, like, Heroes of the Galaxy took down Kauron, all that fun shit. Like, we, we, we've, they're established. This is why we wound up on an uncharted moon somewhere to take 10 months of vacation because just ugh, leave us alone for a bit. I'm also really um, excited to see one mental, like in a, uh, uh, a dialogue off with Tucker. <laughs> yeah. One will not stand up for that, that shit. And I think that will be a true passing of the torch of generation to generation of <laughs> listen you you terrible man i am <laughs> i am going i am the leader of this franchise and you're gonna you're gonna like it god damn it okay it's not the only thing i like baby and then she's gonna beat the shit out of him <laughs> yeah. one will not stand yeah. for anything that tucker is about and i am excited for that I also appreciate that Carolina has a certain level of oh you when it comes to Tucker at this point. So we'll we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, 
I do want to just touch on Locus a little bit because I know there's people probably saying some things and being like, well, what about that? Well, what about, yeah, no. Um, there is an out of character reason that we aren't focusing on Locus, and you know, it's. I didn't want to mention that. <laughs> I think we have to acknowledge that it's there, but we don't need to talk about it. So that is a thing. And then, depending on how much Word of God you like in your canon, we did have an interview with Joe at one point in which we asked him what Locus was up to or what was happening during all of the time shenanigans of season 16. And he mentioned Locus being on being on trial on Chorus, hence building up to potentially in space jail or honestly potentially executed. So if we're going to destroy Locus in a flashback, I would honestly be better with, yeah, he was executed on Chorus for his crimes, as opposed to, and our new people also beat the snot out of him. Just, I... I I couldn't really explain why. There is an explanation there, but sadly my brain is not there where the explanation is. So I don't really have the words for that. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to write Locus out, that's almost how I would prefer it to go. But also Space Jail is an option. Anyway, I do think, yeah, they're going to go after Tucker as he has a reputation. Like, I appreciate that theory, Megan, and I think I'm more on for that one. And also, You said moron. <laughs> yes, that too. That too. Hey, I re I resemble that remark. Nice. And each other has the word hot in it. So yeah. Uh oh. I would love to see Junior. Aw. I just I want it. I want it. And we're talking about an alien power, and we're going after a guy with a sword and an alien son that we just don't get to see all that often. So I really do want to see Junior. I think it's a pipe dream, but I'll want it. Dude, we were told at the beginning of this season that uh, we were, it was going to be limited in like what we were going to get from previous seasons. And then the episode opened with Carolina and, and Washington. So we're like, oh, okay, that's probably it. So we had no idea we were going to get this. Why not dream big? Dream big. Go, go big or go home. <laughs> I already am home. I've been home for nine months. You know it, what I would love um, if we do get to see Junior? You know the cool perspective thing that they've done with Tiny and with Diesel to make them very physically intimidating? I would like to see them have done that with the alien arbiter model that Junior has. <laughs> because that boy is probably all grown up at this point. So I would love it if they attack Tucker and... <laughs> And Junior comes out and he's like, hey, let me introduce you to my fantastic son. Son, let's let's go do some father-son bonding on these guys. Yeah, Junior comes out like 10 different flavors of bitch you thought. Because <laughs> we the, the plot element that we are, before I completely derailed us with beautiful alien son whom we love, uh, is the fact that Tucker's particular flavor of sword isn't gonna work for anyone else unless he dies we we got that plot point with felix and with locus and so you know uh one fear i have to wonder how the blood gulch plot armor fares in a season that's not focused on blood gulch so you know one fear we'll add them to the other 15 fears that we already have um 
I think we're kind of in theory territory. Mark, do you have anything else to say about the episode? Any no, man. I, like, like since we sort of broke, since we broke the mold of what our general episodes are on Rooster Team Radio, like I've been giving them throughout the show. Well, you also said you had something that you'd written down that you wanted to just explode our minds with. Oh, I guess I didn't do a good job of that because it was the four swords becoming a buster sword. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Which is why I said, thank you, Katie, for reminding me. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, we're jumping in and around time because you actually did remind me. <laughs> thank you, future you, for the thing that past you did. What? 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 Anyway, Megan? Uh, no, just... I, I, we... Again, not to sound like a broken record, this episode had some structural issues and we talked in other episodes as well about the the mocap sort of disconnect between vocal performance and what we're seeing on screen. Um, but those nitpicks aside, this was a really fun episode and I really appreciated the cliffhanger and I'm very much... Uh, the action was top notch. I'm very much looking forward to uh, whatever comes next. And yes, I definitely want to see all those swords become a big sword. <laughs> oh my god, absolutely! Just give me Swordzilla and let it be autonomous of zero, so he can move it with his mind. Like just full anime bullshit. Why not? Yeah, and my wish list just includes Junior. If we're putting Tucker in here, then it includes Junior. So I think that is all we have for this episode. It has been a completely bug nuts wild ride that may or may not be uh, temporally grounded. We need to figure that out. Uh, if it renders in a Mobius strip, I don't know how you're going to listen to it, but it'll still be fun. In the meantime, Mark, where can the people find you? Well, I wanted to mention something that we mentioned in our Ruby episode was that the closer we get to the holidays, the more people are going to be sort of stretched thin and tired and needing breaks so there might be red versus blue episodes moving forward where maybe it's not everybody on the team maybe members of myths mythos squad will be uh, scattered to the winds on missions who knows but um we just wanted to make sure that everybody knew it's a natural uh, part of this season of people just trying to get work done before like a Christmas break or a New Year's break or whatever. So uh, we just wanted to make sure and put it out there that if you hear episodes with with some, if not all of the hosts, then it's a completely normal thing. Don't worry about it. We're okay. If we're not okay, we'll let you know. But as of right now, it'll be like work-related, life-related, Sometimes we may just need a break. So I just wanted to make sure to put that out there. But you can also uh, follow me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Mark B. Donica. Um, I've been streaming from the, the PS5 lately, and um, I, I, I had a poll on my Twitter of, of what people wanted me to stream next. And it tied between Star Wars Squadrons, which I'm really excited for, um, and old friend of a different show, Bex, is in that. So I'm really excited to see their role. Um, bug snacks and i actually just picked up immortals phoenix rising which is like the 
Breath of the Wild Greek mythology adventure game, which looks really cool and everybody is giving really high praise. I'm really excited to play all of those. So twitch.tv slash Mark Budonica, follow, subscribe. Uh, My wife and I also do a podcast called Party of Two, which is a theme parks podcast. We're coming to the end of our season on that show, but we are streaming our live recordings of the episodes every sunday so make sure to follow along if you're interested in theme parks uh or gaming check me out on twitch or if you just want to if you just want to hang out uh follow me on twitter at mark bedonica i'm megan salinas you guys can follow me on twitter and instagram at the manguin that's t-h-e-m-e-n-g-u-i-n i have a youtube channel called silver screams where me and katie talk about horror things and as i mentioned earlier i also have a lost podcast called no love lost where my co-host will link loves lost and i don't and we talk about it so if you want to hear me talk about more flashbacks <laughs> flash forwards and flash sideways that's the show to go to and I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos, if you like reactions to Rooster Teeth content and to other wonderful things, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on a podcast because why break the streak, man? Uh, it is called On the Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast, and we're currently on hiatus because the League is also on hiatus, but we might have to come back because I found out today that the Valiant is letting go of KSF, and I am just so worried, you guys. So we may have a special episode there. Uh, please remember to head to iTunes, do all of those lovely things, say hello, leave a review, uh, send us your review if you are in a non-US iTunes store. Remember that supporting our sponsor supports us, so head to fredhebakes.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. And please join in the conversation, follow us on the social medias at the Rooster Team. We have a Discord server and the link for that is in the episode description for every single one of our episodes. We also have a tea public if you are looking for nice merch for other humans and also nice merch for yourself i myself have obtained a shirt that says i hate the ships you like because it makes me laugh it's a classic it's so good it's so good so i will be sporting that all the time because i love it so obtain nice gifties for yourself obtain nice gifties for other people and if you are listening to this episode the day it goes up, there is a sale at our Tee Public store, so be sure to take advantage of that. And as always, we want to end with the important stuff. Wear a mask. Anytime you go outside, even if you're just walking your dog or checking the mail or whatever, wear a mask. Because you cannot account for the movements of other humans, but you can account for yourself. So make sure you are wearing a mask. It protects you a little bit and it protects other people a whole lot. And honestly, that is the point. Support your essential workers. Life is rough right now and they are doing their best. So support them. Please be patient. Also, support the post office. It's a rough time for them right now, too. It's busy season, and they're still getting a little uh, hecked up by shenanigans. So support the post office. Please be patient with your shipping. Shop small, because Amazon doesn't really need your business. But, you know, people on Etsy do, and people on Public do, and small stores do. So shop small. Black lives matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black lives matter. That has not changed. That is not going to. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. 
If you're in Georgia, we're going to need you to do it again in the runoff, so please check your voter registration, even if you think you're already registered. And thank you in advance for voting in January. Again, guys, wear a mask, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, because that's the only way we're going to get through this. And we love you. Thank you for listening. This has been RVB Recall, over and out. Thank you.